Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, Agsa Yatanga Yuandi, we stand on Ghana land uh, and wanted to honour the elders, past, present, and into the future. Welcome, everyone. Um, so great to have you here. I think this is probably my favourite spot in the gallery at the moment with this, yeah, you're nodding, <laughs> with this, um, you know, marvellous intersection of cultures and times. And um, I really want to acknowledge the Australian art team and all the curators really for the, the very successful rehang of the Elder Wing, which has involved all of the curators, you know, and here we have the whole influence of Japanese and Orientalism and the arts and crafts movement. And um, I'm just giving you a little pre-warning. We are going to rehang our Morris collection soon. First time in what, 23 years or something outrageous? So um, that's exciting. So look, you look forward to that before the end of the year. And also this marvelous tale, which I honestly knew nothing about before I came to South Australia about the story um, of the Afghan Cameleers. So, uh, a great privilege and honour to have Li Ming Wei here today, uh, who's come uh, straight from Taiwan, um, where Ming Wei was born in Taichung in 1964 and uh, studied in all over the world, really, yes. um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Dominican Republic and uh, also in San Francisco. And, but we knew something was happening when Ming Wei's first exhibition, uh, only a few months after graduation, was a solo exhibition at the Whitney Museum of American Art. And from that time, because um, Ming Wei is Taiwanese-American, lives in Paris um, and New York with a studio in Taiwan. And I really want to acknowledge Daphne Chu. Where's Daphne gone? Down the, there, right down the back. <laughs> um, and um, Daphne um, assists Ming Wei on many projects and is also um, a writer for little magazines like Art Forum and Art Asia Pacific along the way as well. So um, she's a, a great uh, scholar and supporter of Ming Wei's. So we are about to launch a project called Sonic Blossom. Uh, this is probably the fourth costume of Sonic Blossom that I've seen, and uh, there are many more costumes, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so just a, a, a very brief summary about Ming Wei, and then I'll hand over, and I think we'll do it as a conversation, and then we're really open to, to questions from the floor as well. And you'll have to forgive me, because last time I gave one of these talks, I talked for an hour, and I bored everybody stupid, so we will keep it half an hour, I promise. So um, this marks, I think, about the sixth project that Ming Wei and I have done together in various configurations, uh, beginning at the Asia Pacific Triennial. And actually, Ming Wei was a very was a baby artist at that time. You just pre presented at the Whitney Museum of American Art, and a wonderful curator called Yu Lin Li is now the, the director of the Ta uh, Kai Shung Museum of Art. Um, suggested um, Ming Wei for that exhibition, and literally, it was about three hours before the final presentation of all the art artists in the Asia-Pacific Triennial, who would have thought that that presentation would have such resonance for Australia, because you've continued to do a number of projects at the Queensland Art Gallery, the Art Gallery of New South Wales are commissioning a massive project, well, not massive, a major project for Ming Wei for the opening of Sydney Modern. He's presented at the National Gallery of Victoria and also the Museum of Contemporary Art. 
This was a beautiful project called um, Li Mingwei and His Relations, The Art of Participation that um, Mami Kadaoka, senior curator at the Mori Art Museum in Tokyo, soon to be the director from the 1st of January, curated for the Mori Art Museum, Auckland Art Gallery, and also in Taipei, um, and you, Lin Lee, showed that exhibition. So, um, in, and so it's uh, these, this really overviews the scope of Mingwei's work. His practice is about relationships between people. So his media is communication. His material is human exchange, and it's all based on trust and intimacy and rep I can never say that word, reprisoskity. <laughs> you know what I mean. Reciprocal relationships. So, um, so Mingwei, I love this story of you as a as a six-year-old boy, off to the Buddhist monastery, the Chan Buddhist monastery, every summer for six years. Can you talk about that and what that meant for you? Because I do believe it's a defining moment in your art practice. Yes. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank all of you being here, and it's a great pleasure and my honor to be standing here to share one of my latest projects, which is called Sonic Blossom, which will open in two days. So, yes, back to your question. Um, I was born in Taiwan in 1964. Um, Taiwan at that time was under the dictatorship of Chiang Kai-shek until 1985, actually. So my parents really didn't want me to be around uh, when what we call the secret police who comes to the house to interrogate them. My father was a doctor, my mother was a, uh, a professor. Uh, and um, so one, one day my dad came back and said, would you like to go to study Chan Buddhist, which is Zen Buddhism, uh, in, in one of the mountain in Taiwan, and he happens to be my patient. I say, yes, of course, that sounds great. Um, somehow I always had an affection to quiet places like a church or a temple or even a mosque. So I went there and I spent six summers there, and being a six-year-old child, I was not the quietest um, boy to be in a monastery. But my teacher was a great person. He understood how a little boy thinks. So every morning, wake up quite early and then just take a walk in the woods and then come back and meditate, study Chinese poetry and paintings. And that really gave me uh, a very important anchor of who I became later on in my life. And then you went on, you studied architecture, biology, and then eventually a, de um, a degree, master's in um, textile arts. So yes. can you talk about that time? And of course, you met Suzanne Lacey, one of your teachers, mm. and this really opened out. And I think Suzanne said to you, forget the textile art, <laughs> Mingwei. It's going to really damage your, your career. <laughs> so Yeah, so um, my father being a doctor and so was my grandmother, who was a very first Taiwanese female Western medicine doctor in the 1930s. Um, all, both of them recommended me to be a doctor, and being the first man or first son in a Taiwanese family, I said, yes, of course, I'll, I'll try to be a doctor. So after going to University of Washington, Seattle, I showed them my grades that it actually, they're not bad at all. Um, but it's just 
whenever I see blood, I faint. <laughs> and as you can see, that's not very helpful in a uh, surgical situation. So they asked me, what would you like to be? I said, oh, I would love to be, I wanted to say artist, right? But I didn't dare to, so I said architecture. So, <laughs> so I ended up in architecture uh, in California College of Arts and Crafts. So at that time, I was also studying textile, particularly weaving. Um, so it had to do with structure, which is like architecture. And after four years, I was looking into graduate program in America. And Suzanne Lacey, uh, my mentor, say, okay, let's look at your portfolio, what you're going to look at and what schools you're going to. So I was looking at schools that had very strong conceptual programming. Um, and Suzanne looked at all my weaving and said, they are really great for what they are, but you will never get into any of these programs, such as the you know, Yale University or Chicago Art Institute. So she said, you must spend a whole year doing several projects just for yourself, not for application, but for yourself. That's when I really got into projects that um, has um, significance for, my, for me and looking into my own personal history to look for resource or to look for idea. And in a way, this is how the Sonic Blossom came about, which was a project I did it when I was taking care of my mother when she was quite ill with uh, heart disease about seven years ago in Taiwan. So we'll come back to Sonic Blossom, but when you were, you, when you were still um, undergraduate and still thinking about the future, one of the first projects you did was the dining project mm. that you then uh, presented at the Whitney Museum of American Art. So can you talk about dining project? Uh, because it really defines uh, sort of the starting point for your practice. Yes, so when I arrived in New Haven, that's where Yale University is situated, I didn't know anyone because I spent most of my youth in San Francisco, which is West Coast. So I placed all those posters in a canvas, basically asking anyone who wanted to share a meal with a stranger, the meal would be prepared just for you to come and contact me. So at that time, we didn't have cell phone or anything, right, in the late 1990s. So um, at the end of the day, I had about 45 messages in my machine, either saying, what's going on here, or how much is this, and how can I hook, you know, sign up for this. So for the whole year at the MFA program at Yale, I just did this thing called the Dining Project. It was a very simple project. So you call me up and I will have a conversation. So I ask you what is your dietary preference really, more about you know, your restrictions so I don't cook something that you get sick from. So you come that night and it will be just you and me for the dinner that it will be just prepared for you. So it's very much about how we use um, the food as a medium for trust and intimacy between strangers. And um, another project uh, related to trust and intimacy is, a, is one that always amuses people when you hear the name because it's the sleeping project. And the sleeping project involves sleeping with a stranger. And um, at Auckland Art Gallery, uh, I was the first person to do the, host the sleeping project 
which meant, so I'll just explain it from my perspective, and, <laughs> and then I'll hand Be over Be very to, kind. <laughs> hand over to Mingwei, who will explain it from how it emerged, because there's a very beautiful story. Because as Mingwei said, all of his projects come from something in his familial or his personal history as well. So they're conceptual projects, but they're drawn from, from his daily life. Um, and so there was a beautiful room, painted pale pink, a number of um, works from the collection, Colin McCann, various other, um, Rodin, I think, no, Ruald, beautiful um, uh, pieces in the room, and two wonderful beds that are designed like gondola. So the, the giving the impression because Ming Wei represented Taiwan in the Venice Biennale, and so these, this furniture was made for that uh, presentation. And 12 stands around the room. And so I was the first person. So you turn up at the gallery at 9 p.m. at night, and you both turn up at the loading dock, and then you, with your jammies in your bag, and then um, after dinner, and then you move into the room, and you jump, you put on your jammies, and jump into bed, and then chat for, you Not know. Not in the same bed. Not in the same bed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not in the same bed. So, um, and then you chat with a perfect stranger in the gallery, uh, which, Auckland Art Gallery is beautiful because floor-to-ceiling glass looking out onto the garden. So it was really gorgeous with the light filtering in. And then you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning and um, you get changed and uh, you go down to the loading dock and you, I gave this young Japanese girl who is a photographer who's uh, just gone to art school uh, a big hug and I've never seen her again. So that, that is the experience from my side. But what was the great just as another meta level, the great other aspect was we had an incredible exhibition by Godfrey Lindau, who's a bohemian painter of Maori. And there had been a lot of spirits conjured by that exhibition. We're talking 144 portraits of Maori and a lot of ceremony and a lot of ritual was taking place. And there were stories of spirits in the gallery, which was very real. Um, and I saw a lot of spirits that night. And that room was full of ghosts, not in a terrifying way, but uh, this was a very historical, it's like sleeping in a room like this. It was, a, you know, from the 1880s. And there were so many creative spirits and everybody was making things. So I woke up very inspired, a little rattled, but very inspired. Um, and I was the, and then something that, uh, that the, the sleepy, uh, or the sleeper, I was the sleepy, yes, um, left on the, on the um, hall stands and then that happened um, another 11 times throughout the duration of the exhibition and they were selected by lottery. So their name was put into a, a, a little box and uh, then their names were selected and they were then participant in the sleeping project. So can you talk about how you came up with this idea? Yes, um, like all my projects, these seed kind of seeds just find me and embed it in me and sometimes takes years to realize as a project. So with the sleeping project, I, um, this was early 1980s when I graduated from high school. Um, I gave myself a gift to take a train, a night train from Paris to Prague. That night, I w was fortunate enough to share the sleeping compartment with an elderly gentleman. So he spent several hours telling me that he was, his whole family was taken to Auschwitz and he was the only person that survived. So everyone died and when he was liberated, he was about seven years old. 
So he told me all these stories about what happened in there, and uh, he remembered one particular god which was very kind to everyone, but he was also the person who had to turn on the um, the gas. Um, anyway, so I was the person who wasn't able to sleep after he told me all the stories. And it, w it took me about 20-some years to really come up with a project about how do I spend an evening with a stranger and the next morning we still have the courtesy of saying, good morning, how was your sleep? So that's where, where uh, the sleeping project came about. And uh, just to add to that, as you can see, these projects take a lot of support from the organisation. And uh, most of your projects are commissioned by museums. Um, Mingwei's, um, Mingwei deals mostly with museum directors and curators. Uh, very rarely is there a commercial gallery exhibition. In fact, um, I commissioned um, a beautiful work called Stone Journey from Mingwei. Uh, because we were thinking about a, um, a limited edition because actually there's nothing to buy of Ming Wei's work. So uh, he, he works in a different way and it requires an enormous amount of support. So this project that appears quite simple has been months and months and about a year in preparation and uh, it involves many people within the organisation. So Rusty Kelty, our Asian, um, Associated Asian Art Curator, is working very hard. Annika Williams has been phenomenal working on the... With, we have uh, all of the singers, we have the accompanists, we have the recording studios, uh, we have... There's a whole team that makes these projects possible. So that's something I think is um, emblematic of, of very interesting artists working today who have very simple conceptual ideas that require a tremendous amount of faith and uh, partnership with the museum itself. So we're really defining a kind of a new era in the relationship between museums, uh, curators, um, artists, producers and audiences because without you, there is no project. And I think, you know, that's another thing that's incredibly important is that your generosity, your openness to participate in a project of this nature allows the project to exist, okay? Um, so I think it's time we talked about Sonic Blossom. So as you said, Mingwei, when you were a little boy um, in Taichung, you were running around and being very noisy and rambunctious, and your mother said, quiet, if you, if you quieten down, you'll be able to hear Schubert's leader. Yeah, so she, being a very clever person, she plays Schubert's leader for all you know, my siblings, myself, in a very low volume. So I said, Mom, could you turn it up? I couldn't hear. And she said, well, honey, you just need to sit down and be very quiet, and you'll hear Schubert's song. So those were some of the most beautiful memories of uh, my family and myself and growing up in Taichung in hot summer nights in the 60s. So about six, seven years ago, when she was very ill with heart disease, I went back to take care of her. While we were in the intensive care, I played the same disc for her of the music she played for me 35, 40 years ago. And those were some of the most beautiful memories uh, of, I mean, from the young Mingwei to an adult Mingwei. So, um, that's also when I got an invitation to create a new project for the inauguration of National Museum Contemporary Modern Art in Korea. So for this project, what I did was I auditioned 
opera singers, which we did beautifully here about three months ago. And each of the singer, one at a time, will wear a costume, which is this costume here. And later we can talk a little bit about Akira, the designer's input of this costume. So imagining a young, classically trained singer wear this costume, walking in this gallery majestically like a king or a queen. And she might come up to you and say, may I give you a gift of song? If that is something you really want, she will invite you back to this gallery and have you sit in that simple chair right in front of Rodin, and then turn around and sing one of the Schubert lead for you, just for you, as a gift. But of course, what happens, as you can imagine, you know the acoustics in this space. Uh, the sound will travel beyond this, this space itself. And uh, like many of his projects, um, this project is one-to-one -one experience. And yet, this is a very generous project because it's not like dining pro a sleeping project or dining project, which is only two people in a room and you have to just believe that it took place. There's no recordings, there's no documentation. However, this project, if the singing is taking place, anyone ambiently in the space can participate and becomes part of the project by being, being an audience member. Yeah. So um, you've presented this firstly in, in Korea, as mm -hmm. you said. Yes. You've also presented it in the Buddha Hall at the Met. Mm -hmm. uh, you presented it at the Pompidou in yeah. Paris, and there was a petition from the staff to keep <laughs> it permanently. Um, <laughs> You uh, have presented it um, in China, uh, Auckland, yes, many, Taipei, many places. Korea, yes. Maybe you could tell that beautiful story mm. of what happened at the Met, because ah, that story yes. is incredible. Yes, um, that story, whenever I share that story, it just, I just cannot help but tear up. So um, it was situated in the Freer and Sackler Gallery, which is the Great Buddha Hall which had a mirror from Ming Dynasty on one side, and then these gigantic eight, uh, 10 feet tall Buddha, standing Buddha from 8th century in China. So you can imagine having this project happening in between this deity is already quite powerful. So one of the singer um, saw an elderly lady sitting very far away from her, but always facing the other way. She never looked at her or looked at what's happening, but clearly she was listening for about four hours. So at the end of the day, she decided to go up to her and give the gift of song to her. So she went up and said, may I give you a gift of song? So the lady turned around and said, that would be wonderful. Uh, and I'm from Vienna. I would know German, so that would be great. So once um, Yongji starts singing, the lady tearing up, which is not unusual, it happens quite often. However, within a minute, the lady was howling so loud that covered the, the voice of the singer. People couldn't really hear the singer, but she was just howling. So after the end of three minutes, uh, when the leader finishes, uh, Yongji went up and hugged her and said, I'm so sorry this has been such a painful experience for you. And the lady looked at Yongji and said, I, this is the most powerful and the most awful gift I ever had. 
Uh, and the reason is because this was my daughter's favorite leader. And the last time I heard this lead was in her funeral. So she, I don't know if you remember about five years ago, there was an airplane uh, suicidally flew into the Alps. It was a small airplane, right? So this young lady, her daughter was on the airplane after a concert in Europe and coming back to Germany and died in the, this horrific incident. So, um, so she said, that is the last time I heard and I never was able to listen to this lead until I'm in front of these great deities. And she said, I really think that my daughter is here to say goodbye. Um, so I am very certain you have stories like this will happen here for the next month. And hopefully we're lucky enough to witness those moments. The costume, uh, there are, how many costumes exist now, Mingwei? We have about seven or oh, actually seven, including this one is eighth. And each time um, Mingwei collaborates with a designer uh, you also collaborate with a furniture designer on the, on the material elements, the chair and the, and the music stand. And often, historically, um, with the costumes, they, a number of them have involved a Japanese kimono. Why do you think that's the case? Ah, yes. So almost... As, as is the case here. Yes, yeah. Almost all of them involve Japanese obi or fabric mainly because of my own preference of Japanese uh, aesthetic and textile. And also because, as you all know, that Taiwan was under Japanese occupation for 50 years. So the Taiwanese are actually quite well-versed in Japanese culture. Uh, we feel like culturally we're between Japanese and Chinese, yes. Um, so that's why I think this, pro this um, wonderful costume created by our dear friend Akira, uh, it's a really fitting um, costume. So uh, I thought it would be great to create a new costume for this part of the world because most of the other costumes have happened being commissioned elsewhere um, and Akira Isagawa and the gallery are in conversation about another project and um, we thought that that could be a wonderful opportunity and he's, he's, he's designed a lot for ballet and theatre and is, a, is an artist who happens to make fashion. Um, and based in Sydney, Japanese-born. And so uh, we had a number of conversations and we had one afternoon at um, a house in Sydney uh, and played the leader and Kira was crying. And, <laughs> and he was really taken by the idea of the transformation cloak, the idea that this is a cloak that transforms the singer once it's worn, that the project cannot happen without this cloak. And so this idea of the petals unfolding and folding. And so this is his, his idea of uh, using these two beautiful antique kimono that he's conjoined, but also this uh, beautiful pale gold and cream obi that he's, he's cut and sliced into this sort of unfolding pattern that can, there's lots of different configurations of how that um, that shawl or halter can be worn. Uh, so I think it might be that also Mingwei has a recording of uh, w one of his favourite leader that um, that we could play right now. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, bef and then we could open up to the conversation. But let's maybe open up to the conversation. Then we'll finish on the lead. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Questions. <laughs> Comments. 
Peter. Did you ever sit all night and talk, or did you always end up asleep mm, with okay. your sleeping? Yeah, so I can Question. see sleeping projects still haunting you. <laughs> Like my mom, my mom very, was very Freak concerned down. when I say, mom, I'm gonna sleep with stranger as an artwork. She said, that's what you learned from Yale? <laughs> um, I, it really depends who the other person was or is. There were a person, so just to give you two extremes, one was a person who came in was clearly very uncomfortable and nervous, but even when we select a him and call him, would you like to participate in this work? He could have said no, but he said, yes, I would love to come. So he came with his <laughs> luggage and he got into the, he just said hi, and then got into bed, cover himself in, under the cupboard, even without taking off his shoes and lugging his luggage. So I just thought, okay, that's gonna be an e easy evening. So I, you know, we just went to bed and in the middle of the night I heard, the door of the gallery unlocked, and then someone closed the door, and I looked over, he was gone. He just disappeared. It was so uncomfortable for him. The other one was um, a curator who was selected, and uh, in the middle, so we talked, talked, and went to bed, mainly about personal life, actually. Yeah. In the middle of the night, I heard someone screaming on top of her lawn. She was, ah. So I, and it was her scraping in her bed. So I woke her up and she said she just had a nightmare of the artist, meaning me, choking her to death. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell these are quite um, intense evenings. And I have to say it's probably the most difficult project I've done for myself because physically I'm supposed to be in sleeping mood mode but psychologically, I'm actually doing the work. So for a whole month, it has been, it was a very difficult project, yes. It's very interesting with that one too, because what you've described about it is there's rules of the game for each project, and there were the rules with sleeping project. But interestingly, in Auckland, and I'm not sure it in tai, tai, Taiwan and Japan, you actually handed it over mm, to, the staff. Uh, to the staff. So I was the first person. Like, you can't ask your staff to support strangers sleeping in the gallery and not put your hand up to be number one. Um, so uh, so yeah. I was the number one which set the tone yeah. and then um, other staff volunteered. But it was, you know, there was a lot of discussion and uh, we did have 24-hour security there. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so not... No, in the room, but you know, there, there was a great sense of security. But uh, but you can see this sort of idea of vulnerability mm. and trust and relationship uh, and exchange. You know, it's a whole different notion of exchange because we often are thinking about exchange in terms of monetary exchange. Yeah. But this is about human human um, exchange and um, and emotional. Um, and uh, exchange of consciousness as yeah, well. In an unknown voyage through the darkness of night. Yeah. Just, to, just curiously, if we do this project here in the gallery, just who would like to be a host of the sleeping project? Raise your hand just to see. Oh, okay, about one third of you. Great. <laughs> Let's do it here. Yeah. <laughs> we always change sheets, and you know, it's very clean. <laughs> Out of interest, yeah. hands up if you'd like to receive the gift of song.
Ah, a lot more. Okay, okay, yes. So what I'm going to do for you for the next three minutes is uh, I'm going to play one of the five Schubert lead that you might receive as a gift. And maybe just close your eyes and imagining you're sitting there and a living artist is singing to you, okay? Yes, so that's one of the five. And uh, there are four other very beautiful lead. Yes, thank you. Shall we thank Ming Wei? <laughs> I must say, this is a new level of translation, Karina. <laughs> That was fantastic watching you translate the music. That was a beautiful moment that I think was very unique. So yeah, thank you. So uh, from everyone's welcome to First Fridays on Friday night. And so from uh, the, the project will begin on Friday, but really that Friday night from five o'clock uh, is a wonderful time as well. But we also, um, it will be launched uh, 
from 11 a.m. But it's it's really from about 12 or so on Friday um, is the time, and then of course first Fridays, as we said, from five to nine, and then every single day from 11 o'clock to four o'clock uh, for from the first of November to the first of December, as part of Asia. Thank you to the University of Auckland. Till 3 p.m., yeah. Thank you to the University of Auckland and the Elder Conservatorium, who've been amazing, who have um, gifted the time for the recordings, the pianist, the accompaniments, the sound recording, and we have an intern working with Heather as well, in Sonic Arts, who's been working on the project specifically. So they've been great partners. And of course, it's part of Asia, which is a wonderful festival that we love in this town. How great is that festival? So um, thank you very much for coming, everyone, and thank you, Ming Wei. Thank you all. Thank you.